0: Welcome to Round the Rotary podcast everyone. This is me, your host JP Warren, and uh, I want to say thank you for tuning into uh this episode, this uh this podcast. We appreciate all the support. We're about to come up on a year of this podcast and as uh, you and I were talking before, it's so it is a lot of it's a lot of constant work. You know, shocking it's, it's amount of work. Shocking amount of work. Yeah. And uh, again, everyone, thank you. Uh, whether, where, it doesn't matter where you're tuning in from. Uh, you know, uh, leave a review. Tell us what you think. And uh, again, thanks for the support. But before we begin, we got to say that Round the Ruby podcast is brought to you by Capital Petroleum Consultants. CPC specializes in project engineering, well-site supervision, and all disciplines in the oil and gas industry. Contact us through www.capitalpetroleumconsultants.com to see what CPC can do for you today. That's the business voice. I mean, that's the podcast. It sounds part. good. It's, you, you it's the radio voice. And with us in the studio today, we have, uh, we have Ken Miller, Kenneth Miller on uh, LinkedIn, uh, who is the uh, CEO, and I wanted to say founder, but it was more like you were founder, but it was a lot of peer pressure for you to bring the other guys <laughs> in so to, to the group, right? Training
1: my confidence already, right?
0: right? Yeah. So as a co-founder... Yeah, Phil. So and bringing the team in, bringing bringing some good good like minded people in. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: So you know, a- Abe Erdos is my uh, original partner. Right. He and I started together. Right. And then his brother David joined us a bit later, a couple of years afterwards. Okay. And um, you know, uh, when we started, uh, Abe and I were working together at the same company. It was a little little NWD company called Teledrill. And I, I, I t- the story of me meeting him is kind of one of the funnier ones because. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty good at software. Okay, like okay. I'm a little, I'm pretty dangerous at software. I'm terrible at electronics, right? Just absolutely terrible. Okay, but I thought pretty highly of myself when I was in my late late teens, early twenties, and we were working on these NBD projects. And so, you know, Abe got hired maybe a couple months after I did, and he came in, and the first day he's on the job, he fixes a electronics problem that I'd been working on for a week in 30 minutes, like it was nothing. Okay, and so like my whole self esteem came crashing down, and I was like. Who is this guy? I'm gonna get him fired. Screw this guy. You okay. know, It
0: sounds like this guy's about to get you fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the fact exactly. Right. We're paying this guy for a, a week when this guy can knock it out in, yeah. in, in in thirty minutes. Yeah.
1: And um and so uh you know I, I I was it was a really tough day for me and I went home and I slept on it. I woke up the next morning and I was like, I'm gonna make this guy my best friend. Okay. <laughs> and so we we've had a really fantastic working relationship. You know, uh, ever since then, right? And like we we definitely have strengths that complement each other. We both taught each other a lot over the years, and so. It was great, and uh, you know, I, um, you know, most people ask us how we got started, right? And so, I just—it's just a natural progression of this story. And uh, so, he, he and I were working on a teledrill, you know, doing NBD stuff during the day, working on a pretty, pretty awesome tool at the time. Okay. And uh, you know, I was—I've always been really interested in entrepreneurship, right? Like, I've always had Steve Jobs as a hero and all these kind of guys. And you know, I—the companies we were working for—I'd look at the, the managers and CEOs mm-hmm. of these companies, and I'm like, I'm smarter than that guy. Okay. <laughs> if he can do it, I can do it. Right. Him, right? And so, you know, uh, you remember IRC chat? Have you used, ever used IRC chat? It's like a really old nerdy thing from like 20 years ago, no, right? And no, it, I, it, it, I know AOL. That's no, all it, I know. It, well, IRC was the more, you know, if you knew what Linux was, you knew what IRC oh, no, no, chat no, no. was you, and all this uh, kind of stuff, right? Buddy,
0: you're talking to the wrong guy right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, so that's fine. And, and so, you know, I met these guys out in California, and I flew out there on a whim. I'm like... Well, this is either going to be a fun experience, or I'm going to get my head chopped off, or something, right? And so through the this internet chat, and so get out there and hanging out in L.A. and just learning all about like companies and startups and yeah. everything else like that. And um, you know, I flew out there a couple of times, and I ended up with a couple of gigs. You know, we met a, a realtor out there who was um, he was a uh, one of the guys that significantly tri- contributed to the 09 crash. Okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but he had a Lamborghini, and he had – he let me borrow it, and it was a lot of fun. And, it, and he had millions of dollars, and he was going to pay us to make a smart lock before anybody else made smart locks, right? Because he okay. went, he wanted it for his realty business. And, you know, I uh, I met this guy playing pool just in the right bar at the right time, and he wanted to make a car part. And so he knew how to do the mechanical engineering, and we're like, hey, we know electronics. We can build you a car part, right? And so, um, you know, I started trying to do all this engineering work, this gig work I was getting on the side by myself, and um, I was doing okay in the software, but the electronics was a disaster. I was trying to do the electronics myself, and I kept burning my fingers on the transistors and screwing them all up. And I just finally called Abe because I knew Abe from work. And I'm like, Abe, help me out. And he's like, No, you can't do it that way. You got to do this. Go to Radio Shack. Buy this one, not that one. You know, et cetera. Do it this way, right? And so I roped him in over the phone, and he's been stuck with me ever since, right? And so. Uh, you know, we, 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 uh, we're working a teledrill at our day jobs, right? You know, 40 hours a week. Yeah. We go to my parents' house and do three or four hours in the evening of consulting gig work. And, and that was, that's pretty tiring after like six weeks. That, that,
0: that, that, that kind of sounds like this, like the start of like, you know, like one of these big, like Amazons or something like, yeah, we had our day jobs. Yeah, that's still the goal. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like that, that's kind of, that's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. Well, it's kind of cool. Like, I'm going to go back to this point. I mean, it, it's, it's. I, I don't know if this is uh, just you know who you are as a person or something like that, but usually when people come in and uh, you know there's a new person on the team or that stuff, and they let's pretend they outperform you know just like finishing something in 30 minutes versus a week, some people I mean view that as kind of a threat or a challenge, like oh shit, just like you said, well I got I got to get this guy fired, I got to I got to do yeah. something about, it. I got to protect my thing. But you kind of took you're like you know what I'm gonna be friends with this guy, I'm gonna learn something from this person. I
1: had some very immature feelings for about six hours, yeah. and, th- and then I grew up. It was a good growing experience.
0: I'm myself. just saying that's, uh, that that probably speaks to. I I guess I guess how you view, I guess, uh, conflict or, or, or challenges or people or even being kind of you're threatened a little bit like your your job or your whatever. That's you're going to make friends. Yeah, you know you're gonna you're gonna look at it in a better way versus kind of the the attack mode. I feel.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think like a lot of people like fall prey to that for a longer period of time, right? And the reality is, like, if you like, if you just start going going down your path and you start working on yourself every day and improving yourself, i mean, there's very little likelihood that you're just going to be made redundant because someone's slightly better than you. It's not that's not how the world works, right? right? It's not. I mean, I guess it does in some in some capacities, right? That maybe I'm privileged not to experience, but like in general, that's usually an irrational fear, right?
0: So so. Let's, let's 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 rewind a little bit sure let's, let's tell them about tell us tell us about I guess your background kind of gives us the elevator summary but your background where you grew up and uh and just kind of bring us up kind of uh how you got in the oil field I yeah mean, because I looked on your LinkedIn you started off at a Texas uh, instrument I right? did yeah were, were you off right there off of 59 right there at the big little uh, the, the complex right yep, there yep.
1: 59 in uh near um uh, Stafford right so, yeah. yeah I worked yeah. there for four or five years right? I
0: used to pass that all the time when I was coming back from a noble yep. drilling
1: Okay, that's yeah. awesome. Yep, yep. I, I mean, there's a there's a couple of interesting stories there. Um, in high school, I didn't know shit about electronics or software or anything. Like, really, I was like 18 years old, and I was like, "What's a circuit board? How does that work?" Right, and um, you know, it's funny. I was I was super super. Uh, arrogant about I'm not arrogant but like um, way overestimating my abilities because I remember my friend showed me like a CPU and it was like some ceramic with some metal pin sticking out of yeah. it and I was like oh we can make this and he's like <laughs> do, you, do you not know what a semiconductor fab is like there's so much bug it goes into making a processor but I mean I started this entire journey I, and actually in high school I was I was really into like liberal arts right and so I was a, I was a musician I yeah. did that stuff I did graphic artistry on the computer I, th- I thought I was going to go into like 3D animation or advertising Right. so
0: you're very cre- so your high school career before yeah. you got into like you're very creative Creative. Yeah, correct. Either exactly, you're right. creating music, videos, or, or graphic art.
1: You know, I, I went to this fantastic high school called Hightower High School, and, um, and when it first started off, it's it's kind of demise today, unfortunately. But like it was a fantastically progressive program, and what they had is they had four colleges, like, pre-colleges in the high school, right? Okay. And they had a computer academy. They had an engineering academy. They had a medical academy. And they had a broadcast academy. Okay. And this was cool stuff. Like, the engineering – the computer kids, we had tons of access to, like, IMAX and Photoshop <clears throat> and whatever else. Yeah. And the engineering kids were building robots, you know. And this is all in high school, right? It's usually stuff that's, that you do in college, not high school.
0: Yeah, high school, you're, you're stuck with the boring shit. The medical kids yeah. are,
1: are doing, like, intern rounds at hospitals, and they're doing pre-med stuff and the you know the the broadcast kids have their own tv station in the in the high school, and we're doing our own TV shows, yeah. right? And so, um, it, I mean, it was just a really fantastic place to be. And I was on the computer side, right? And so we were we were using Photoshop and Illustrator and Flash and everything to make stuff. Well, on why the did web. You,
0: why, why didn't you choose uh, the computer side? Was that just because you could you you, you viewed that computers you can create the, the graphic design stuff? So you want to learn more about the, the tools to to create the stuff? I mean, if you really want to go back to the very origin of my career Why'd in
1: technology, like the this. the genesis. It was the video game Command and Conquer. Oh,
0: okay, yeah. I I
1: was I love video games when I was a kid, right? I loved Warcraft and Starcraft and Command and Conquer. And well, we we had these clans, right? And these communities. And like, I'm like, oh, I can make a clan website. Right, and we can we can make a website for our little group. Yeah. so I start learning HTML and, and all the stuff that goes into making a website. Right, and that's where I got started with Photoshop and Illustrator, okay. and everything on the computer. Right, that led to me going to the the academy and learning scripting on the web and whatever else. Right, that kind, so,
0: that kind of sparked your interest. For to, to, yeah, to, oh, okay, yeah. Nice. My,
1: my, my father was always like a diehard Macintosh fan. Right, like okay. he's always been a, a big Mac fan. Um we 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 always had computers in the house growing up. It was funny. In my house, there was no PlayStations, Xboxes, or PCs. It was all Nintendo and Macs. Like that's all it was. That's it's it. all it's he was a big fan, fanboy of both brands, and that's all we were allowed to have in the house, right? And um and so um uh, but yeah, and it's so I went to went to Hightower and that was a, a fantastic experience. And um my my career got kind of got shifted uh for for me senior year, right, and so we, I was really big into like 3ds Max and, and 3d animation and okay. like doing all that kind of stuff, like the little videos and special effects, and you know, I saw myself going into like the special effects industry or whatever maybe, right, and um, so we had this this local graphic design company that was with senior year everybody got an internship, right, and so for years past. The, this one local graphic design company in Sugarland had hosted all the computer engineering kids for internships in their senior year, okay. right? And my year as a senior, they pulled out at the last minute. And so there was like, they're like, oh, well, you can either take four more hours of classes a week or you can go to Texas Instruments with the with the engineering kids. And I was like, I'm going to TI. I'm yeah. not I'm not hanging out in four right. four more hours, right? And um Anyways, and so I I got an internship at TI when I was like seventeen, working in my senior year in high school, and and I was with the marketing department, and they had me make some marketing websites, and we did photo shoots okay. and all this kind of stuff. So they put my like graphic design skills to work, right? And I was pretty good at it, at least good enough for them to pay me like eight bucks an hour because I got an internship my summer after high school, right? Okay. And so they had me there all summer, and I I don't really know if like my boss said, hey, we've run out of marketing work for you, we're going to have you interview with the engineering manager, and I'm pretty sure that was code speak for. We're tired of you,
0: Ken. We're going to give you to engineering now. <laughs> we're we're, pass- we're passing the buck. <laughs> yeah.
1: and so so he had the engineering manager come down and interview me, and he's like, uh, "Well, do you know C coding?" And in my head, I was like, "Well, I know PHP. That's got to be pretty similar to C." So I said, "Yes." <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that was on a Friday. And so like I frantically ra- okay, it's like okay, you come start in the engineering department on Monday, right? And so I frantically ran home and I taught myself C code all weekend. And then I showed up on Monday and all of a sudden I'm an embedded C so- C software development intern, right?
0: So did you enjoy the marketing side of things? I guess oh, was, the creation of it. Absolutely but, it was yeah. a,
1: lot, a lot of fun. I mean, marketing is is fun because it, you get to study, you know, your competitors, you have to study like what what people but what not really but what makes them want to buy, but like what is good about your product that someone would buy, right? right? And so that was always fun to do, right? And so it was interesting at TI because we were selling microcontrollers, right? And so microcontrollers are the little tiny miniature computers that, you know, at TI was in the automotive department. And so we, re- we were doing the little processors that would go in your airbag system or your radio or okay. whatever else in okay. your vehicle, right? And, um, you know, it was funny because we always sold these things. Like we were negotiating with customers, and it's like you're going to pay – 12 and a half cents versus 12 and you know, three quarters. And like, that's a big deal. Cause like a quarter of a cent is a big deal when you're selling right. 20 million or something. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, And so, um, but yeah, I mean, and that really got me into engineering and everything else. Right. And so, you know, I, I started college as a liberal arts major like continuing the graphic design thing. And it was totally weird because I was waiting tables in the evening and the afternoons, I was in college for like graphic design and the liberal arts. And then like most of the day I was at TI doing engineering. Right. And the, all the guys at TI were like, what are you doing in liberal arts school, man? Switch your major to engineering. Get the okay. he- get the heck out of there. You know, you, you see, you have a, you have a talent for this stuff, right? And so I, I did, and I switched to computer engineering and okay. electronics design. And I, you know, I, I actually never finished college. So I, I did five years of working at TI during the day and going to the University of Houston at night. And then I. Um, mm-hmm. Then I got into the the oil field, right? And so, um. So
0: tell me about that. Tell me about that okay. jump from a yeah. uh, TI to uh, the oil field. Oh,
1: well, so I had a little bit of experience with high-temp electronics, right? Because we, we considered 125C the automotive rating, right? And so that was pretty warm. You know, it's similar to like downhole a little bit, right? Okay. And so, but, um,. God, if you really want to go to the origin of this one, uh, in French class in sophomore year, okay. I this is an embarrassing story. I was I was hitting it on this girl, right? Okay. And very unsuccessfully. And she's like, no, nah, I don't like you. But you know what? You play guitar. My, my brother plays drums. Why don't you hang out with him? Right? And so we got into this band. And
0: you get, so you got passed again.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, but I got to know their family really well. And the, and, and their father worked for Slumberger, right? Okay. And so, and he, he kind of got to know me and he knew I was technical. And so he recruited me into Teladrill, which was this little company. Right, so they'd all left slumberjay and they're working in this little NWD startup. And he got me to come from from TI to Telegirl. Right, okay. well, it, it really wasn't him. He got me interested technically, but it was actually the entrepreneur who, who is, was operating the business that got me to come. Right, and um, you know, I, I remember making the jump from TI to Teledrill was really scary for me. Right, because TI. Big company, I, you know, I, I was going to turn from, like, being, like, basically an intern into a real employee and have, like, benefits and yeah. a career path and all this kind of stuff. And there's lots of the people that were encouraging me to do that. And so there was, like, a really secure future for me at TI, it looked like, right? And so I was like, they're, like, going to go work for this little tiny oil field startup, like the, like the oil field?
0: Did you know anything about the oil field? No. Okay.
1: Like, like nothing. No, right. Nothing whatsoever, right? Yeah. And, um, and you know, uh, it was funny. The entrepreneur, he said to me, uh, he's like, Ken, why don't you want to come work for this? I was like, well I've got, I've got job security for TI. At TI. And uh, he says, Ken, what's job security? And I was like, well, you know, job security he was like, Ken, job security is a myth. Yeah. I mean, the, the only job security you have is the job security you make for yourself by making yourself better, right? And I was like...
0: That's some great advice right I'm there.
1: Sold, yeah, sold. Okay, I'll come join you. You know, and 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 he was right. You know, and that was a a fantastic experience. And that's so, why you know. When I was working at Teladrill, it was fantastic because like I'm twenty 20 years old, twenty one years old, and they let me write all the code for like all the NBD systems and everything else like that. And it was fun. And I met Abe there, and we got to really learn a lot about technical chops and got to learn NBD systems and all this kind of stuff. And man, I, I'll tell you, like I really struggled in college, right? I, it was hard for me to find a calling. Like, I kind of begrudgingly switched to computer engineering based upon my experience at TI. But I wasn't, like – like, I liked writing code. And all this, but I wasn't, like, passionate about it, right? And um, and so I, I actually this – is, this is something I usually don't admit. But, like, I remember being at freshman orientation in college. And they said, you know, look to your left. Look to your right. Two out of the three of you will not make it through college. What a shitty thing to tell but, but, students. But it's statistically correct, right? But the weird thing was in my own head, I, I went – yeah, it's probably me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is, is that
1: because – I mean, is that
0: just because one of those things where you're like, hey, look, I know myself. I'm not going to dive into something unless I'm passionate about
1: well, it. Well, I was really passionate about working, right? Like I really liked going to TI and working for eight hours a day because I, I felt like I was always pushing the envelope. And like I'm I'm, I'm like going and doing stuff at my day job that you uh, – as a freshman that you really wouldn't see until you were a senior in college. Right. And so I was like I'm learning so much more on the job. What do I need college for, yeah, right? What do I need
0: the theory behind it? I mean, it. the
1: only reason I was going to college for, you know, a, a degree was so that I could ha- say I have a damn degree, right? Yeah. And because, you know, Tia's like, well, it's really going to be hard for us to give you a salary as a full-time engineer if you don't have a degree, yeah. you know, even though I've been working there and outperforming other en- <laughs> degreed engineers. But, you know, and, and, and really it really was, was a good time for me to, to really focus on, like, trade and on-the-job training because... I was going to school, I graduated high school in 2004, and then um, I would have been on track to graduate 0809, right? And that okay. was right in the middle of the crash, okay. right? And um, I'm really glad that I was working during college because not only did I have like four years of experience, I had a career path when everything crashed, right? And like if I had done what I was told to do, which was don't work during college, pay attention to your studies, a lot of the kids who did that at the same time, like their careers got delayed by two or three years. Because they didn't have the experience. No, because they came out in the crash and there was no jobs in 08, 09 when everything crashed, right? Right. Like it was really difficult for a new grad to get a job. And so a lot of, a significant number of people had their careers delayed and they started working maybe in like 09, 10, I'm sorry, like 10 or 11. Yeah. And i have been working, I mean, I was like six or seven years ahead of them in career experience because they got delayed and they were only in college, right? And so, for better or for worse, I feel like that was a decent path for me. Right. And, um, and so I, you know, we, we, we worked at Teledrill for about 18 months and then I told you I was flying to California and getting these gig work and stuff like that. Right. And so what happened is like, we, we did like the gig work in the evening for like six weeks. I'm sorry.
0: I, I, I gotta pause you. I, I think that's, that, that's fascinated me. The fact that, so first off, if this, if this, uh, the, 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 the person that, that told you about job security, if he didn't give you that advice, do you think you would have made the leap? No. Okay. Yeah. All right. So totally convinced So that just shows kind of the impact that kind of people have in people's career and trajectory and life and all that stuff. One <laughs> sentence to me entirely changed, changed my it. career. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty cool, though, how you can dial it back to that one pivotal sentence to you.
1: Well, uh- it's easy. To, it's easy to connect the dots in hindsight, and I I could be over-attributing it, but it's. I mean, it's a pretty simple explanation, right? But
0: then, but then you this this going to California. I guess what 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 was that? Was that that you wanted to learn something, make make a couple more bucks, or you just wanted to learn about uh, new technology? Or I mean, what? well, there's so many startups in California, right? And I was like, I'm gonna start a company. I wanna be in Silicon Valley.
1: I wanna do all this kind of yeah. fun stuff, right? And so that's, that's what attracted me out there, right? And so it was really really interesting.
0: God, that's, that's – that's, so how long, how long this, uh this going to California thing with the gig? So you're working at the company for 40 hours or yep. 60 hours a week, and then you're doing at nighttime? Yeah,
1: and Abe and I started working in the evening together, and we we would, you know, work at Teledrill from 9 to 5. We'd go to my parents' garage and work from, like, 6 to 10. Yeah. And uh, after about six weeks, we were exhausted, and my parents were really tired of having us around, right? Because right. we were, like, trying to build high-temp circuit boards, and, like, we were melting them in the oven and making my parents' house stink when it caught on fire for, like, a month.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: And um, – Anyways, and so it was really fortunate we, we got into some negotiations with, with Teledrill and they said we, we proposed um, hey, let us spend off from you, we'll make our own company and we'll work for you under contract so you don't lose us, but we get to go do our own thing okay right And that worked really well and, and it was funny because their CEO at the time said, yes, you can do that, but I'm not going to pay you a dollar an hour more like your salary is going to be your consulting rate and I was like, okay, sold right And at that point we had you know is me and a uh, getting started, we, we recruited a couple other kind of friends that we knew that were technically inclined yeah. and we were like five guys and we got set up in this little office. We were paying 500 bucks a month for, and then, Hey, we got full-time work. Now we got a full-time company. Right. And okay. so that's, that's the genesis essentially. Right. But I mean, you asked like, okay, that one entrepreneur saying that one thing to me kind of changed my career path, you know, uh, and you asked me earlier if like I worked at the building at TI 59, like, like. I I am so glad that I took the leap and went with the riskier choice, right? And not the safer choice. Because if, you know, I drive by that facility today and I could not have a better representation of what would have happened with my career path, right? Because the group that I worked in, which was the automotive group, yeah. entirely disbanded, disbanded, gone. The building I used to work in, demolished, like just leveled to the ground. And my old boss, literally like two years ago, was asking, hey man, all the TI guys are gone now. Can, can you give me some tips about how to get into Halliburton and get a job over there? And I was like... So glad I didn't stick with the safe path because there really isn't a safe path anymore, there right? There isn't. Like if you're not investing in yourself, whether or not you're like starting a company or you're you're, you're working as a, a salaried employee or whatever, the only security anymore is self-betterment, like in any position,
0: right? You know what, though? I mean that's such a good point to make. I mean it's uh, – it, Throughout this, throughout the whole, you know, this whole COVID, you know, experience and all that stuff, you're right. Job security, there's no security. I mean, people like saying that to I guess, justify a decision when they're trying to make a career path. But after this COVID, after this past twelve months, there's no job security. The world moves so
1: fast anymore, and things can change so rapidly. Right? Yeah. Like these ideas about job security, you know, have, have evolved over the last hundred years because, you know, um, it was a big deal in the '70s and '80s when, like, we had the Silicon Valley and the tech boom, right? Because in the in the you know, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, everybody thought that like fifteen percent was the fastest a company could reasonably grow per year, right? And then right. you see companies like Apple and Compaq and all these guys that you know, Compaq I think was the fastest company to a billion dollars in sales. They went to a billion dollars in sales within eighteen months, right? They also went the fastest to go from a billion to nothing. God. But I mean I mean the world changed, it started changing in the in the second half of the 20th century, 20th century, 20th century, yeah, 20th century. <laughs> off 1900 plus one. Okay, we got it. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, uh, started changing so fast that you know these these old concepts were still around, but they didn't apply anymore, right? And so, you know, it's interesting is uh, you know Japanese culture, right? Japanese culture expects for the longest time the the cultural agreement with a Japanese company was. You know, we you're gonna uh, we're gonna take care of you. We're gonna provide a career path and and stability for life. But in exchange, you're gonna dedicate yourself to the company, right? And that's where you get the concept of like a salary man who. He works himself 60, 80, 90 hours a week, and it's honorable to fall asleep at your desk because it means you're working so hard, Oh, right? you
0: see people falling asleep on trains, like there's yeah. all those pictures yeah. on trains and yeah, but, subways. But,
1: but but Japanese business culture is actually in a big uprising right now. And not an uprising, but they're, they're going through a, 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 a change because these companies can no longer promise this. They can't promise to take care of you for your entire career because these companies don't have that kind of stability anymore, and the, companies, the world's changing so right. fast, right? And so – yeah, I mean that really is the only path to success anymore. Is not it's no it's no longer oh get in with a company, do good, get promoted. You know, build up a lot of credibility within that company. I mean, you know, your credibility in a company only goes inches anymore. And and the only thing that you can do to protect yourself, you know, even with all the financial craziness we have right now, it's not a bank account. It's self betterment, right? Like you can always, you know, make more money or get a new career if you've been improving yourself constantly, right? It and does. so the learning never can never stop, right?
0: You know that's that's an excellent point. I mean, I, we, I, we've had guests on here before that uh, you know during the. Day Downtime, or if they find themselves in a situation where they don't have work, or they, or there's nothing to do, because let's say they're a drill engineer, they can't chase rigs, or salespeople, they can't do breakfast. It's always fascinating and interesting to find out what other what, how do people. I guess, spend their time if there's not a lot going on. Some people sit around the house, don't do anything, wait for things to get back to normal. Yep. And some people kind of dive in, and either they start woodworking, they start learning data, whatever, Python. They, they start learning all this stuff, which is, I think, amazing. Riley Norris was just on. Yep. And uh, he's like, yeah, there you know, wasn't much going on. So I decided to look yeah. into this. Uh, I oh, drafting Fikita. thing and yeah, everything. Like and it, it's, it's, so it's fascinating to see, like, you know, and Dina Dabowski one time, she's like, my, my question for you is, like, what, are you, what have you done during COVID? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, I, I cannot. I, I'm a big fan of the Python programming language. I spend a lot of time writing code in Python. I cannot recommend that enough. It is such an easy stepping stone to get into programming, and you will increase your value as like an entrepreneur or a career employee so so much by learning it. Like, it's. Really, a good idea. It's just worth it. It's absolutely it's just worth, worth it. Right? It. Like, take take the point. Especially like if you're an NBD hand stuck on a on a rig in between surveys, like you can just play around with it, right? I mean, you know, you can write little automation to make your job easier. All this kind of stuff, and then I mean, that's really really good time spent in self betterment is learning learning that very basic programming language because there's so much you can do with it.
0: All right. Yeah. So we're so self betterment now. So I mean, if 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 we're self betterment for you right now currently where, uh, like what where, if you could, if you had time all right i'm sure you there you, there's a, my entire you focus?
1: waking existence is a self-learning experience mm-hmm. right like i i've never gotten to the point with a company where like i'm not learning something new or taking on something new and like if i find myself doing the same thing day after day just executing a job function i get very unhappy right okay. so mm-hmm. Um, I am, uh, like, I am the embodiment of the Peter Principle. Like, I have always been promoted to the point where I'm incompetent, yep. and I just have to learn, right? Yep. And so,
0: um, you know, the new... The new <laughs> Even saying yes to that program that you had to learn over the weekend. Yes, correct. Yeah.
1: And so, um, I mean, I, I have really done a decent job structuring it so that my 9 to 5 is, is, is better. I mean, right, you just, I get to do it on the job, right? Now, beyond that, it's listening to podcasts like yours, right? And I listen, man. I'm a big fan of the Drill Down. I like the Spears yep. Brothers. They yep. give a good economic perspective. But... I mean just podcasts and audiobooks like if I'm going to Conroe to see a client like I am I am listening I mean either on a conference call or I'm doing a, a, a an audiobook or a podcast the whole time What right?
0: kind of audiobooks do you do you tend to gravitate towards too
1: Um you know mostly um, Mostly ones that are about like uh you know entrepreneurs or successful companies or or stuff like that right like it's the, the really human experiences that you can't really share doing a Google search right like I love I love hearing about like the story of Pixar and how they came about and stuff like that and, and well, how they come about. I mean, that's, you know, I'm, I'm going to reveal the fact that I'm a huge Steve Jobs fanboy, but, like, that was another Steve Jobs company, right? Like, they, they you know, he invested in it. So, well, going back to the beginning, but, like, Pixar started as a bunch of guys from the Uni- University of Salt Lake Seattle who were just super into, you know, graphic, okay. 3D graphics, right? And they wrote some of the first 3D software, and then they became uh, uh, part of Lucasfilm, and George Lucas mm-hmm. owned, owned the group for a long time, and then he got divorced, and he was bleeding cash, and so he sold the group to Steve Steve Jobs, right? And then Steve Jobs was—he's obsessed with making computers, right? And so what he had—he tried for like a decade. He tried to get Pixar to, to make like specialized graphical design computers, like computers that were specialized for 3D imaging, like animation or med- okay. medical imaging. And they were always flops. Like the Pixar computers never were commercially profitable, and they he just sunk money into the company for a decade, right? Like, okay. and um, and then and then they started doing uh, commercials and using their 3D technology for commercials. And uh, that got them some money, and they started to be profitable, right? And then they took a big leap. And, like, these designers, like, their whole, whole careers, they, they'd always just wanted to make a movie, right? They wanted to make a movie with the 3D tools. And, like, even George Lucas didn't believe that they could do it. He always thought that, like, you know, uh, that they would be good special for special effects, but he never believed that you could make a, a movie. A feature film 3D with movie, it, right? right. And so they took a huge uh, gamble, and they made a deal with Disney, and Disney funded the whole film. Which and film
0: was that again? Toy Story. That was Toy Story. Oh, Toy Story, absolutely. Okay.
1: Yeah, that was the launching thing for the whole thing, was right? That 95,
0: 90, was it, 95? It was
1: a while back. I think it was and, 95. And, and, yeah, and um, and that, that was a huge leap for them, and they had to kind of sell their soul to Disney to get the funding to do it, but, um, you know, Steve Jobs was brilliant, and and what he did that was totally unconventional is he scheduled an IPO for, like, a week after Toy Story came out, right? And so, um, you know, really a lot of companies like in the past, like doing an IPO pre-revenue was crazy, like unthought of. Like you had to be a big profitable company to do an IPO. And Pixar was like the second, third company to do an IPO without, without having like serious cash flows and just burning money, but they're going to do an IPO. Right. And so he, he scheduled it really well to where like they sold or sold to Disney to get it done. They get it out there. It's a smash success. And then the week later, they're IPOing, and now they're full of cash. Right. But, uh, I mean, they had a good relationship with Disney for 10 years until they got bought, but I think mean, like this, the path to success with that company is just, you know, um, it was really tough. Right. And I, I enjoy reading about those because companies like that, because, you know, it really does look like everybody else just has overnight success. Oh, Jobs founds Apple. It's super easy. He's 17 years old and they go skyrocket. He's a 200 million. That was luck, right? But like all the other companies that he did, like they struggled for a decade, a, a 10 years of in the wilderness, right? Like when he started Next Computer, like, you know, people always think about like the early, early jobs as like the, the one to idolize or whatever else. I've always been much more fascinated by his his later years, right? Because he he struggled he struggled for 10 years with Next and Pixar and turned them both around and made him success, you know? I mean, ask Ross Perot how happy he was with Steve Jobs' performance with all the money they lost on Next Computer, right? I don't think you get a good answer, right? I think the one thing he was quoted as saying is like uh, well, I just wish I hadn't given all the money to those young Californians. <laughs> but i mean i i enjoy hearing about how the other entrepreneurs really really struggled and i can identify with that right like because it's, it's never quite as easy as as people make it out to be when they when they tell stories right do
0: you ever tried to take kind of i guess uh obviously this kind of a, might be a silly question might be a stupid but there are no stupid questions here around the road except the ones i ask do you ever try to take i guess piecemeal i guess uh what are some common i guess keys for entrepreneurs to i guess get up and get out and get going with their, with their service product company? Like uh, what, what I guess, what top three keys that, that you've kind of gathered throughout over the years that that would be, I guess, that you would buy by? Um, I'm a huge
1: fan of the minimum viable product process, right? And so um, that's like a key process within our company. I mean, it's it's MVP is you build the simplest thing that you possibly can to sell to get started, right? Okay. Because so many groups like make the mistake of like, mm-hmm. oh, we – we have a vision for the product so we're going to raise money and we're going to work on it for 2 or 3 years and then it'll come out right and when you work that way it's a total gamble you're just you are just straight up playing roulette buddy like when when it comes out after all that investment whether or not it's it going to sell or it might be have been a flop two, right?
0: it might, yeah it might be uh, yep. that might have been worked 2 years ago but now we're 2 years later and that that technology is yeah. updated
1: you have to incorporate constant you know uh, voice of customer into what you're doing, right? And so, like, the MicroPulse is our directional module, right? It's what we started off with in NWD, right? And so we're on, like, the MicroPulse 3 now, and it's, like, a premier NWD directional module that has fantastic measurements, right? Where that started out was a – we the first thing we built with the technology that became the MicroPulse was yeah. a single shot. It was a freaking memory digital single shot, right? And so I don't know if many people remember, but we're surveying well before NWD – we they used to use what was called a single shot or a multi shot, and it was just it was it was a, it was like an accelerometer and a mag with a with a memory circuit, right? And you'd run it down on a slick line, wire, you know, wire line with a winch on the rig, right. and Put it at the bottom, give it two minutes to survey, pull it back up, and look at the inclination and azimuth of the well, right?
0: That was it. That was
1: it. And just yep. that simple. But now it's now it's a full blown NWD system, and it's transmitting mud pulses all the time and all this kind of stuff. But like that was the fastest thing we could get to that a customer would actually pay for and buy and validate. Right. And so, um, there's actually a a wonderful bit of insight listening to the guys from Amazon and they like, they have their entire working backwards principle. Right. And so they even go like, I, you know, they even go a step further and like, they they try to like, they look at like everything backwards, right? They, like, one of the things they do internally in the company is like, you have to make a a faux press release, like a mock press release before you even justify the development of the product. And you have to like think about it from the customer's oh, eyes, and all this kind of stuff, right? Okay. And so, I mean, it's really just flipping that traditional development process on its head, right? And then starting as early as you can. And you have to incorporate voice of customer as soon as you possibly can, oh. or you're not gonna be, you're not gonna, you're not gonna know what the market really wants, right? Like, yeah. like nobody can really. It's not, a, it's not an effective thing anymore to waterfall develop a product. It's just not, right? And so MVP is something we absolutely uh, uh,
0: abide by. Um, well, how do you find out – I mean, let's go back to this because I, I, it's it's interesting to hear this. And I, I actually want to talk about the culture at uh, Erdos Mill because it seems like the leadership there, the leader sitting here talking to you, I mean, can you just uh, – I know that's, that's another seg segue, but I really don't care. It's Friday afternoon. What's the culture like at, at y'all's company? Because it seems like it's very engaging. It seems like it's kind of like a Silicon Valley type of culture, where it's like it's 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 high energy, very productive, very creative uh, people.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. That's that's how we come off. <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of what that's the vibe I'm getting. Uh, I hate answering this question because I really I really don't like. I I can think of what I'd like the culture to be, but I really like it when you more like ask my employees that question and like hearing their answers as to like – because what I think it is is like what I would love for it to be, right? Right. But when they truly answer, then you get the real answer, right? But I mean, we we really live and live and die by our core values, right? Like our entire hiring system is based on like, our core values are not this bullshit that you put on the wall, the poster, right? Yeah, the mission, the core <laughs> values. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean, like we, you know, we. we <laughs> I'm so glad you said that.
0: By the way, I completely agree with that.
1: Oh, I, I mean, <clears throat> you know. Uh, that's one of the things that I've invested into that's had a, the greatest return, really, like, sitting down and really treating our, our – our writing down our core values, respect, and, and going to them. And what, what we did is we we took a look, – looked at our history, looked at our employees. And this is not something that you could come up with a company at day one, right? Like, we had to have been operating for years to say, like, what worked, what didn't work, what was great about it, what was bad. Let's take all the great stuff and let's put that into our core values, right? And so we looked at, like – We looked at things that we said, this is the way we should do things. This is where it worked out for us, you know, all the positive things. And we said we came up with with our four core values, right? And so – uh, I'm going to get embarrassed and not remember one, but like number one is like unstoppable, right? Like we do not give up, right? right. That's that's a huge thing for us. Sometimes we go a little too hard on that one, right. <laughs> but unstoppable, we, we focus on growth, right? And so that's that self-learning. You so know, it's personal growth. It's not it's, it's personal it's, growth it's as well. It's growth among everything. We expect our company to grow. We expect our yeah. products to grow. We expect our employees to grow. We do not, we are not happy if we have someone who comes in and performs like a job function, right? One of the guys I'm, I'm proudest of is our Um, our supply chain guy, Tariq Sadiq, and and he started off as a electronics technician in our company, right? And he started off just soldering boards and then he grew up to like managing the guys who do the electronics technicians and now he's our supply chain manager, right? And so, you know, um, you know, uh, oh God, I'm going to get rambling, right? Uh, We we focus on being effective, right? That's another thing. And it's really about like, one of the things I can't stand is like you you can absolutely do engineering and development for development and engineering's sake all day long, right? And I'm just not passionate about something that doesn't go out into the world and make a difference. I can't stand ivory tower crap, right? If I make something, I want someone to use it and benefit from it and drill another well or whatever else. Right. And so
0: that's really what
1: what the effective comes, comes in for me.
0: Right. Is that easy to get buy in from, I guess the rest of the partners, the rest of the team. I mean, just, I mean, because there's a lot of ideas like, Oh, this might work, this might work, this might work. But I mean, if it's for you, if it doesn't make sense, if it doesn't, I mean, is that difficult to guess, guess get everyone around the same table and go with that decision? Um, you'd be surprised
1: when I wrote these down how easy the buy-in was. Uh one of our employees, Rahama, she's just a fantastic developer. Without any asking, she literally went and had t-shirts made with the core values on them. And she started wearing them at work. I was blown away. That's the away. stuff you like to I say. was blown away. Okay. It was shocking, right? You know, and our our last one is we're open and unbiased, right? And you know, to me, I mean, you need to have a platform of sincerity and integrity, right? Like, like you know, one of the things I like to say about NMD systems is that um, uh, physics will judge you when you put the tool in the ground. Right? Yeah. It's like no matter how good your financing was, or how much um, how marketing much your, your marketing and sales guys said, or how cool you think it's going to be, there's no breaking the laws of physics when yeah. it's in the ground drilling. Right? Yeah. And so I, I just you have to that has to transfer through, right? And so. You know, uh, we used to work a lot with a company, uh, that we were like a, like an integrator or alliance partner for. Right. And so we'd go in and, and, and work on the, and, and they made really good tools. So they made really, really good tools. And, um, but and they would they would give us these leads for customers who wanted to do it, right? Because they just sold the product, but we actually took the product and turned it into like an actual functioning device gotcha. or whatever. Okay. Else, right? All right. And so we're like an integrator for this kind of stuff. And we go into these clients and like whenever they would give us a lead, they would expect us to do nothing but push their product, right? And I was like, no, 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 no. Like 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 you you guys make really good tools. And they they really have a lot of homes and a lot of things, but like we're always gonna recommend what's best with the client, right? And often that can be, okay, use this other thing that's, that's cheaper. Or you know what? I'm not really good at that. You should talk to my competitor. Yeah, they're actually better than better than me, right? And so the, like that is, you know it, it all feeds back upon each other, right? Like like you can't grow if you're not honest with yourself about your own weaknesses, right? And so they're all kind of foundational to each other, right? But anyway so we wrote down these core values and we started living by them, and like they have grown to come into every part of our company. like different parts of our interview process, are designed specifically to test how unstoppable you are or, or how honest you are or how, you know, you've been growing yourself, right? Wow. And so it's, it's built into our hiring process. It's built into how we level our salaries. It's built into how we review our employees and how we review our, our status and how we're doing. I mean, it's-, it's, it's, it's That's it's, a fascinating thing, how it encompasses kind of every
0: aspect of y'all's business and, and I, people.
1: And I spent seven, six or seven years thinking it was total horseshit, and then you know what was funny is like I tried you know I mean I mean we were, you know we started in 08, right we success came easy in the early days it really did like we got to like 50 people and 10 million dollars a year well
0: how did it come so easy
1: working hard it was working hard in a good oil field right like it, it really did right like we didn't have to have a lot of good infrastructure in place we were just pretty darn good at what we did and so we got lots of opportunities and lots of contracts we we didn't suck most of the time right okay. but you know at-
0: <laughs> love it. <that. laughs> I love that. Well,
1: I, I, it's one of the things we say internally, which is not a sexy thing today, but sexy thing to say. But like. The goal really is to suck a whole lot less than you did yesterday, right? Just suck less than you did yesterday. And just keep going day after day after
0: day after day. And be right? honest with that too. Be honest, yeah. like, look, I had a bad day. Like, I, I, I kind of messed this up, or I shit the bed over here. Like, it was, it was bad. Like, be honest with yourself. Like, okay, I could improve on that a little yeah. bit. I mean, Every day is going to be great.
1: Well, it, what I what I really can't stand with with NWD systems is like, it's just like directional services. Like, everybody goes in and they say, oh, I got the best guys, I get the best tools, they never fail, all this kind of stuff, right? And we can't say that. It's like, no, guys, look, we we feel like we make a great product. It is going to have a failure, but when it has a failure, this is what we will promise will happen yeah. every time. We will get you answers within twenty four or forty eight hours. We will absolutely root cause it. We'll build improvements back in the product. That I can promise you. We're going to make know? it right, exactly right. Yeah. And um, I, I, you got me rambling there, but yeah, it is you know. Oh, I was I was saying that. Um, you know, I spent I, I spent like seven years just working hard, right? Just like working really hard and just executing, just doing the day-to-day, just tackling everything in every meeting, right? And then I was like, okay, where do I start investing, right? And even even investing in good tech, like, wasn't enough. Like, everybody everybody thinks of tech as, like, this magic bullet,
0: right? No, if, if, if you have that, then all of the problems are oh, uh, It's uh, all taken care of.
1: I mean, I would say to you that, like, in my opinion, technology, you know,
0: innovativeness or whatever else
1: is, like, 15% of business success maybe.
0: Okay. Like I just I don't I don't you know tell me about I, tell me about this a little bit more let's peel back the layers what's well, what's the other 85
1: I mean it's 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 your people it's your culture it's sales it's marketing it's operations right like you know I mean a, you know a company is is this silly analogy but like it's it's really like an engine you can't just have one cylinder not firing and, and everything's gonna be fine, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, if if sales isn't performing, it doesn't matter how good the product is, right? If 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 sales is selling and the product sucks, then you're you're screwed, right? Yeah. And so, you know, if you're not marketing yourself, you're not growing. If you're not you know investing in a culture, you're gonna get bad employees and like everything has to work across the board to be successful, right? And I I, I, I don't, wanna, don't even want to apply that label to myself, right? Like, but we're growing, so that's at least good, right? Right. And so, um. You know, I mean I spent I spent almost a decade trying everything else. And I'm like, okay, maybe core values aren't bullshit. Maybe I should <laughs> invest into that. And so really after the crash in 15 or 16, we reinvented the company, rebuilt it from the ground up, and that was one of the first things I did, right? And so there's actually this phenomenal book called Traction. Track, okay. And so um, you know, it's interesting is it it totally seems like change your life, miracle horseshit, and And a lot of times I don't like to mention it because it kind of, it kind of comes off as like, I'm a little bit crazy, yeah. but it is just a really good set of ideas and processes for running your business. And so what the guy who wrote the book did is he went out and he, he ran a business and he went out and he studied like 150 businesses that were successful. And he kind of compounded that down into a very simple entrepreneurial operating system. Right, okay. And so look, a good company like has some amount of processes, right? I, I you know, started, starting as an entrepreneur as like a young guy, 21 years old, like fuck processes, process, excuse me, processes are for big companies, that's how big companies die and like, after like bleeding and bleeding and bleeding I'm like, okay, a little bit of process is <laughs> a good well, thing, Well, because right? you
0: feel, he, I guess you yeah. would feel as an entrepreneur, it's like, you know, I mean, I guess who were some of your idols uh, growing up as entrepreneurs? I mean, Steve Jobs. It was, it was always Jobs right? Jobs, you right, know, yeah. You
1: know. yeah. I, I love Larry Ellison just because he's such a badass, right? You know, and he started a lot later in life than the other guys, like Steve Jobs and those guys were like, yeah. 21 years old I'm worth $200 million, Larry, Larry Ellison didn't start until he was like 34 or something, right? And so that was always a big thing for me. I, I mean I'm, i do I and mean, there's a lot here's some negative stuff about Amazon in the press, but like I am like Amazon's dominance is absolutely shocking and it's absolutely something to to, to emulate, right? Um, you know, if we got if we get more local, I, I've always been a huge fan of Marvin Gerhardt, right? In the oil and gas industry. Marvin Gerhardt was I was really privileged to meet him before he passed. And I was always just amazed that he built companies as big as they were and was a successful in oil and gas, like huge, huge oil and gas hero of mine, right? Um, and, uh, so just give you some my examples, right? So no, but I'm saying that, yeah.
0: but a lot of times people think of process and core values. I mean, you're right. You you go to a, a company like, you know, Texas Instruments or these large companies and they, there's all these core values, mission, all that stuff. It's, it's kind of like a, you have to have it on the wall for a checklist to be ISO 9000 certified. You have to and have a it. A lot of pro- people treat
1: it as just a compliance thing. I, I, I would, I would venture a guess. yeah, 70, exactly 70 right. 80% of companies. Just ah, they write it down so that they make the HR guy happy, and then off we go, right? Like I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, it's something they seriously take very seriously, right? And, and you know, and, and it's been working, right? Like, I, I've always been such a tech-focused guy, so I've always felt like, get the tech right first and everything will follow. And, you know, after beating my head against that for almost a decade, I get – I gave up, and I was like, okay, no, we're going to work on the core values, and we're going to get our company working right, and we're going to run really well. And then now we're just like, the tech is just coming out at a rapid pace because we have all the kind of human underpinnings, yeah. co- you, know, you know, making it
0: all really happen, right? You establish an environment for it to grow exactly, organically, right? naturally. Exactly. And something that I, and obviously I'm switching gears, I want you to actually keep rambling. I no, love it's fine. You talk, I, it's, I, I love hearing this stuff. It's, it's fascinating. Like you're talking, I'm like, okay, yeah, I have a question, I'm but I'm never I never remember. So you just, so yeah. I uh, went to, uh, so y'all have a, a YouTube page. Page, right, Uh does You actually you have you know hour long conversations. You have eleven minute conversations yeah. going over some basic stuff. And I, we we're talking before the podcast. I think that's that's awesome what y'all are doing because I you know I, I was saying like I'm not a technical guy. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm just not. But I was watching some of the uh, some of the uh, videos y'all made yesterday, and it's and it's great how it, as you said is back to basics because a lot of times you've been in the industry for you know two years, twenty years, and all that stuff. You just assume that people know. Uh, XYZ. You it, know? it
1: is a it is a really bad assumption that like ninety nine percent of people make, including myself
0: for a long time. Right. But I but I, yeah, I'll keep going. But I enjoy that the fact that yeah. you're like I mean you've been in this industry you're you're constantly grinding. It seems like you're all always thinking.
1: Well, I mean. Yeah, when it's when it's something that ends up being trivial or, trivial or basic to you, you make a fundamental human error in assuming that it, everyone else knows that, right? And they know the basics of it and all this kind of stuff. And it's really just not true. I mean, there's just so much out there to learn that, you know, I mean, I, I'd love to see some basic fracking videos Yeah. because I, I'm, I'm not a frack guy, right? I'm, I'm on the drilling side. I do NWD mostly, right? I'd love to see some basics about, I mean, I understand motors and rotary steerables and NWD pretty well and all this kind of stuff that goes in the, the BHA. But I, I mean, completions, I get the basic idea. You know, you put it down there, you frack it, you blow it yeah yeah, <laughs> but I'd love to see some more basic videos right even though I've been in the industry so adjacent for so long, you'd probably assume that I know a lot of stuff about frac and I don't yeah. right and so I'd love to see that kind of stuff as well so no I mean it just it just helps to go over the basics and and you know one of the things that' actually was really flattering is we actually had several of the directional companies tell us that they incorporated their podcast our podcast into their onboarding process really because we covered so much of the basics of NWD yeah. that it's like okay we have new hires there's a list to this podcast because they, they put all the basics
0: I deep. mean I, I mean I can I, I can definitely see how that when'm I don't want to lose a screen here to it's literally Erdo's uh, – I'm actually on your website right now, but it's literally Erdo's – just check it out. I mean, there's a bunch of videos up there and you're talking. I watched a couple yesterday. It was a good time watching them too. Thank you. Thank you. And, and it even helps for us, right?
1: Like, I mean, whenever we were onboarding people, I used to spend a bunch of time saying, oh, this is how NVIDIA works. These are the parts, right? You know, this is how the mud pulser works and all this kind of stuff. And, like, it's even fantastic for us because, like, okay, for our own onboarding process, okay, you need to go look at all of our marketing because it's really
0: educational. Yes. You need to listen to the podcast as part of your onboarding process, right? But it's not so much industry specific, where it's like, okay, this is good for our industry folks to learn about this, little that. I think the point is, you make it so anyone can watch it and understand it, whether they're one day or one hour in the industry, or whether it's you know fifteen or twenty years in the industry. You make it so everyone can watch it. I think too, I think industry education is crucial right now, um, especially what's going on right now with the the geopolitical the narratives and all that stuff. I think education, not just you know, people in our industry but also outside industry, so they understand a little bit more. Because again, I watched this uh, Netflix movie. I got a, seven, a seven-year-old Bigfoot. You know, <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. But it's family. been in the news, right? Bro, it's. I'll show you a four-minute clip about it. It's. It's. it's but, but. the thing is, it was like the guy is talking. It's like, oh, this bomb's the big birth of bombs going to go. Big Daddy bombs going to go, and the oil's going to come. So I think to have these educate these basic educational things. So not only just onboard process, but also just share with you know their family, your kids, or whatever. Yeah,
1: I mean, oil definitely gets a, a bad rap, right? I mean, I, this is a silly story, but I remember being in a bar in New York and trying to hit on this girl, and 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 she and I told her what I did, and I was like, "Oh, I work in drilling technology in Texas, oil and gas," and she's like, "Oh, you work in oil and gas? That's like bad." And I was like, "You're you're drinking beer from a plastic cup." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I mean, oil is oil, oil is such a fantastically good underpinning for our society. Like, we got so lucky that there was oil on this planet in the first place, yeah. right? It's like finding a charged battery in the ground that we can just take advantage of, right? And so I, I don't, you know, I, I I am a huge oil proponent. I'm not, I, I mean, people are like claiming, oh, well... You know, Chevron and BP and everybody else. So they're starting to invest in the geothermal and other stuff and solar. You know, they're calling peak oil. It's like, okay, you call peak oil for like the 10th time. I but, think it's
0: been peak oil for, yeah, what, yeah. 30 years?
1: You know, the reality is we're not going to stop having babies, right? Yeah. And we're going to – the human population is going to start going up. And if Elon Musk has its way, we're going to start populating Mars. Yeah. And we're going to need a ton more oil, right? So, I, I mean, we, we're just – our dependence is going nowhere. It's a society. Like, like this is a critical resource that we need to keep growing, right? And so – um no, I'd be huge fan. But but, but but
0: the but the narrative but the narrative and is not often connected with the reality. What you're talking about the, the population growth, the, everything like that. The narrative is not. It's like oh, we can just flip something on tomorrow, and that's. But it's not the case. I mean, I mean, if you're not, you know, I, I
1: remember a buddy of mine that I grew up with in middle school. I reconnected to him some sometime some after college and just caught up like for a couple minutes. Yeah. And he's like, I told him I was working in drilling, and he's like, Oh, we still drill for oil? I was like what? Dude, like, how are you, he's like a realtor in Florida. I was like, how are you, how are you so disconnected that you think there's no drilling in the
0: world? Like, what do you, what do you think's going on here? You know, it's crazy. Not really shame on it because honestly, I grew up in Connecticut, Mm. you know, like I went to Texas A&M, you know, I was in Texas. I still had no idea about the oil and gas industry. I didn't know how it got from, you know, underground to the pump at all, you know, and and it's shame on me, but I'm I'm not feeling bad about it because I mean, that's, it seems like that's the majority of the population. The
1: Weiss Energy Hall at the Museum of Natural History is Fantastic! It's amazing. My son loves going
0: there. Oh, I brought. how was your son? He's five. All right, yeah. I brought uh, my seven year old. She always wants to go. She always wants to go see where Daddy works. You know? <laughs> it's unbelievable. So, do you remember when it was on the second floor? It was gloomy. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, dark. Yeah, the fourth old, yeah. floor is unbelievable. Now. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, they it's got got the PRS amazing. system up there. Yeah. They got you get to the rides and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool. And it. I like how it also shows how it's you know it's it's not just oil, not just renewables. It we it's a blended it's a blended hodgepodge of energy provide. But the thing is, though, it's it's not separate, which is often what you hear today. It's either this or that, this are, or that. We are just so far
1: from... And, you know, er- everyone's memory has gone from, like, how... How much oil changed the world in the last hundred years, right? Like what the world was like before that, right? Mm -hmm. And like you know how many people that this this the oil and gas revolution allowed to be born and grow up and all these kind of things, and we just it's just forgotten from our collective conscious, right? And so, you know, hopefully uh, when 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 we have events like uh, you know the big freeze and everybody's staying warm because of natural gas,
0: you know, maybe hopefully we get a little bit of a a little bit of a new perspective, right? Or 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 even when North Face wouldn't sell, um, oh, what was Inovex? When they wouldn't sell them the jackets, again, that <sighs> brought a lot of stuff to the news because, hey, you yeah, yeah, use he petroleum yeah. products. So, I mean, you're right. There is a huge disconnect or not a, a memory that's lost and all that stuff kind of – but at the same time, it's, it's integral. And I kind of – when those things happen, it's, I think it's, it's, it sucks first off. You know, it's, a, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. But at the same time, it also provides an opportunity to, to teach – People, I guess, how involved uh, hydrocarbons are in, in everything. Yep. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm going to get into like a controversial opinion here, but like,
1: I, I think oil is incredibly valuable, right? And so, you know, I'm a fan of all forms of energy. More energy is all, need am, all yeah, the time. I agree. You know, I, I really want to see, you know, directional drilling expanded The geothermal. I want to I start doing, you know, ge- drilling geothermal wells. But, um, you know, we, we do have a limited amount of oil and gas at the end of the day, and we need to be really careful with it until we get off this planet and yeah. find, find more something else. And I'm sorry, I'm way too sci-fi here, but like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also okay with the idea that, you know, it, we don't necessarily need to burn it for fuel in a car anymore. We can focus on using it for petroleum yeah. products or yeah. everybody else, but it's still a critical yes. resource, absolutely critical for human survival.
0: No, no. It is, it is. I actually I'm I'm thinking about it. I want to get back to kind of uh I guess the, uh, the entrepreneurial side of you because I think I I love hearing about this stuff. It seems like you can keep on talking about it and go on and on about it. And I you so it's 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 books, it's and it's taken so do you when you hear about I guess a, a certain uh, practice that they did or they they started doing kind of a procedure is that something you're like, "Oh, I can try that out here and see how it goes," or it's like, "Ah, eh, that's not going to work." I mean, here obviously there's no playbook that's set for every one of them, right? No,
1: you have to listen to a lot of the good ideas out there and, and then, you know, transplant the ones that will, you think will work or try them or mutate them a little bit, right? It's like right. there's no no one-size-fits-all piece of advice, right? And we talk a lot about uh, – I was a great podcast with Mr. Mark Henderson Leary, and uh, he had the best word for this, which was tuition, right? And so you think college tuition is expensive? Wait till you make a business mistake. Oops, $30,000. Oops, $100,000. <laughs> Yeah, it's like <laughs> that's painful, but I mean, you you learn so much on the job as you as you go, right? So we were talking about marketing earlier, and like we spent you know three hundred thousand dollars over five years on really
0: ineffective marketing before we started doing itself. Well, when did you find out that it was just ineffective? Because I'm not ineffective because I did the same thing. We did I did the same thing here when when it came to CPC. I mean, it was just it wasn't communicated directly. So when did you find that out? I mean, You're you like- you can you can outsource like somebody else can make you
1: a pretty nice website, right? Yeah. But they're not going to be in your customer's head about like, what is it that makes you, you and why would it even work for you? Right. And like the, let's, and I, I believe the only content that's worth producing anymore is like valuable educational content, right? Like stuff that teaches or stuff that really truly shows the performance, like a case study or whatever else. And you can't hire an outside technical writer to do that because they're not you. Like, it's just silly to expect to be able to outsource that. But to, so many people treat marketing like a checkbox, kind of like they treat the core values. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's tons of firms out there writing wishy-washy, you know, content. I mean, and the only value you get out of that is, like, you get a little bit better SEO hits, you know, whatever else, right? And and so, I mean, you it just it just – marketing has to come from the heart and it has to be organic it has and to be natural genuine. it has to be genuine right and like there's so like uh, uh, jobs actually had a, a fantastic point that like you know marketing is so noisy and there's so many people out there trying to say so many things that when you get your chance to speak, what you say better be really valuable, right? right? And you better really be genuine and sincere about it, right?
0: And it's tough to, I guess, I I kind of uh, uh, agree with what you're saying, too. I mean, if you're not, if you aren't communicating that to the end user and you're outsourcing that, I'm, I'm not saying it's bad to outsource whoever's doing that or anything like that, but to <laughs> me, it feels I know you got to watch your it's like, no, I'm not saying it's bad, but to you me. Can, you can absolutely outsource some very effective marketing things. To me, it feels like if you're not, if you're not really kind of have the range of the, uh, the, the communication you want to get out there to the customers or to the end user, then it's kind of like playing telephone. You know what I mean? Like You're, you're telling someone else to tell them what, you know, It kind of, certain, yeah, certain, yeah. it gets lost. It gets it does, lost, yeah, it kind of gets diluted a little bit. Yeah, and it doesn't hit on kind of what you want to communicate. Totally. So I think I think that. So what kind of what kind of challenges? I guess. Uh, so things. So we're seeing activity kind of pick up right now. So we're recording this uh, March twenty sixth. So we're seeing what kind of challenges or uh, what do you challenges and what are you getting excited for? I guess uh, moving forward from today.
1: Um. So it's funny. Like I, I sat down with the customer yesterday. He's like, Ken, I, I gotta gotta hire some guys. getting any good recommendations? And I go you're the 10th person that I've said no, <laughs> no to. I have no recommendations because a lot of the really good talented guys, like you know, they'd be the good ones that stay to have jobs and they're happy and they don't really want to move. There's very little movement. And then right. a lot of people who moved out in the last couple downturns, like they've, they've moved on permanently, right? Yeah. So like-
0: And gonna, that's not a bad thing.
1: No, I mean, it, it, we are we're going to be facing a manpower shortage as, as the market picks back up, right? Yeah. And then we're going to have to start retraining or automating or whatever else, right? That's going to be a big challenge for everybody going forward, right? Um, obviously I'm excited for things to pick back up again. Like I like seeing these plus, plus whatever's in the yeah. recount. you know, I, for as far as I'm concerned, it could go, it could, it could stay uh, plus one forever, as long as it stays plus one and just stay slow, in the green. slowly inches stay in back the green. up. Right. So, um, but, um, I, one of the things that we're really focusing on is, is, and this is obviously a silly keyword is big data. Right. And so, um. Really going forward, even NWD systems are going to become incredibly software dominated, and so the the data that we're collecting and seeing and improving upon is just getting really fun and fascinating to work with, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, there's two, two been two huge big data uh, uh, projects for us, and so uh, one is our our continuous azimuth measurement, right? And so that was a huge big data project where. That measurement is incredibly difficult for an NBD to calculate, right? Like, what we're actually doing is we're calculating the azimuth, the direction of the well, while you're drilling, rotating, stick-slipping, breaking up rock, right? Okay. And, like, we're, we're, we had to figure out how to cut through all that noise, because usually you have to stop drilling. They call it measurement while drilling, but it's, like, more like measurement pausing so drilling. So they stop to find yeah. out, yeah. yeah. Okay. They pause for a second at a connection or whatever. They measure the azimuth and they go forward, right? Well, now the expectation and the desire is that we can measure azimuth along the way as we drill, cool. right? While we're drilling, yeah. right? Right. And so that was a really, really hard project. That was extremely difficult. And we struggled with it for probably two years, making almost no progress trying this method and that method and whatever else. Right. What
0: kept you going, though?
1: Sheer stubbornness.
0: Really? Yeah. Are you that type of person that like once you set your mind to something, it's we're going to figure this out. I am. I, you know, and girls. Uh,
1: like I said, I, I I struggled in college. The first time I got on a rig and was, was like part of a team building an NBD system, I was just obsessed. Like right? NBD systems are. So much fun to me because they, they include so many aspects of technology and engineering, right? Like if you want to compete in a modern NWD system, you have to have a mechanical engineer to build the the, the outside, the yeah. housings, the pressure ceilings, you have to have electrical engineers to build these circuit boards, you have to have software de- I mean firmware developers to write the firmware that goes on the tool in the ground. You have to have controls engineers to write the filters, you have to have data scientists to analyze the data. We have to have software developers to write the decoder on the surface we have to have web developers to write the automation in the web there's like no part of like the technology stack that nwd doesn't touch i it's, love that so it's, it's
0: to you it just doesn't get boring
1: it's it's, it's incredibly technically fun and challenging and right It seems but, like
0: with all that all the you know the the, the, the chefs and they're kind of coming in it seems like it, it's it, you're describing it to me it sounds like it's an organism you know you need to have everyone in and kind of it kind of creates you know you the 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 engineer that creates the body, that the software, the yeah. technology, it, it everyone—it
1: is, is a really fantastically—I I like big challenges, right? And it's a big challenge to build a good system with all these different disciplines, right? And that that complexity is actually increasing, right? Like to make a good NVD system in the past, you didn't have to have controls engineers or data scientists. Now you do. Like, like the bar is going nowhere but up, and, okay. and so it's 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 fantastically interesting. But um, So I was talking about the continuous azimuth, right? And so we struggled for years with that. Like, we just weren't getting anywhere, right? And so what we did is we came up with this chip called the Flight Recorder. And the Flight Recorder has, like, a gigabyte of memory, right? And what we did is we just ran tons of jobs, and we recorded the the extreme high-resolution data of the drilling path the entire way through, right? And so we took, like, dozens of wells of that back into the computer, and we ran thousands of simulations on all this recorded data, and we were able to do thousands of virtual well tests in the simulation on the computer to recompute and figure out how to how to calculate this measurement on the fly. Right. Wow. Like it was super fun. Right. Wow! But we, if we had not switched to a data driven, big data driven model, we would have never gotten there. Like all of the test fixtures and the test runs in the field, like we were inching forward and we had to go miles. Right. And, and only that the big data process really let us go miles. Right. And so. We uh, we just came out with our our our, our decoding platform uh, that last year, right? And so the decoder the decoder is the thing that actually goes the software that goes on the rig and picks up the mud pulses and tells you what they're telling you, right? Okay. And so we took a, a big data approach to that and we built this data warehouse we call we call it Decode Lake. It's just a cute name, right? So <laughs> there's this thing in, in computer science called a data lake, right? So we just made a play on that and called it Decode Lake, right? And um, and so what we're doing now is we are, you know. With all the customer's permission, we're we're capturing pressure data from all these rigs all the time, right? And any sort of little tiny issue the customers have, they're able to report that to us and our system auto flags it and our our developers go in and they constantly are are working extremely efficiently because they're able to see where the biggest problems are and what the patterns are and they're able to address that Quickly, Right. And then on top of that, one of the things that we've started doing now is we we have introduced machine learning. Right. And so what we have is we have all these thousands and thousands of drilling stands of data on the cloud now. And these machine learning, we just call them workers. These machine learning workers are redecoding them and they're trying their own experiments to try to make the decoding better. Wow, because they 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 know how to redecode it. They know how well they are doing re- redecoding it, and so they they've been programmed to try thousands of combinations. And so twenty four seven they're just sitting there working, working. and working. And yeah. so our decoding platform is literally getting better at this point when our developers are sleeping. That's
0: that's fascinating. It's
1: so it, it's that's so crazy. Much, it's so much fun. It's just, it's it's just shockingly fun, right? And so like you know it 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 used to be you know you know design test develop <clears> deploy right now now there is a a new step in there which is gather data and introduce the machine learning. And so that's going to be a critical thing, not just for oil and gas products in the future, but like pretty much any type of product. It's going to be heavily driven by big data and machine learning.
0: You know what's interesting? And this is probably, I'm probably going to say this, and you're probably in your mind, you're like, what the hell are you talking about, JP? But what's interesting about that, tying it back to Pixar, so you're talking about machine learning, these things are working while you're sleeping, they're, they're, they're running their own things. So in Pixar, Toy Story 4 or 5, whatever that was, like, they made these AI little spiders. So they would create spider webs on, and they would take yeah. all this data yeah. in. and And so when you're talking about, like, yeah, it's going to kind of go, not just in the oil and gas, but kind of everywhere else, like, you're already kind of seeing, you are seeing that, like, it with Pixar and all that stuff, where it's like the machines, like, AI, just like, okay, this would be a spider web, it'd probably be this big. So it's kind of, it's interesting to see that it's the machine learning, the AI side of things kind of, Pick up the slack or kind of, you know, learn learn the processes that versus a human sitting behind the computer and doing that. Yeah. Which is fascinating to me.
1: Yep, it's it's, it's 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 crazy. It's amazing. It's really a lot of fun. Yeah. right? but I mean, what I've always you know appreciative about Pixar, the Pixar guys is is one that was just one more good example for me as an entrepreneur because it's very demotivating when you see when you feel like everybody else has overnight success and you don't, right? right. So it's it's always reassuring to me when you see someone else struggle for a decade before they start kind of tuning it in, right? What's
0: well, the whole comparison yeah. thing? Yeah, exactly. The joy, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: and um, and uh, and on top of that, I mean, I, I, you you uh, I feel like a lot of people like this this job and technology. It's really hard. And it would be really nice if things would just, if I could just keep making the same thing and just print money, right? Yeah. And happen. It isn't working that and, way. And Especially happen, the right? technology. You know, the world is so aggressive now that if you're not constantly, I mean, Elon Musk said it really beautifully. He said, "You know, whoever innovates the most, that's who's going to win the market." Just, just period, right? Yeah. And um, and so you have to embrace the chaos and the change and the constant innovation. That's what I've always appreciated about the Pixar guys. Is they're always like, "Okay, we got that done. We made that effect we look really good." And what's the next one? Now, okay, we're going to do a billion leaves, yeah. billion leaves on a digital tree, right? And so um, it's always, it's always been fascinating to see them work.
0: Right? Or the tangled uh, the tangled hair, every yeah. strand. Yeah, gotta push something forward, right? So you're 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 driven, you're 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 motivated, you're an entrepreneurial, and you're also stubborn. When have you ever been uh, in a situation when when you're kind of trying to tackle a project? And stuff? When is the giving? When not the giving up point? The point where you're like, you know what? It's, let's just let's let's focus our energy somewhere else. Yep. Did that ever happen? Oh, with absolutely. You? Yeah, we definitely had failed technical
1: projects that didn't make the market, or the te- key technology wasn't good enough, or whatever else. Right. Well, what and,
0: keeps you pushing for those two years if you're if you're only gaining inches of ground? I don't know, man. Like how? Like like, like so, so, how, so? how come after two years you were like, "All right, screw this. Let's let's focus on this over here." Just because you've, it was such a need, you think, or well, is this one of those? No, uh,
1: you know. Well, yes, yes, we forecasted the need, but like also like. Like uh, NWD really is my passion, like for better or worse, right? Like I I think more about, you know, NWD systems in the shower more than like anywhere else, right? (laughs) And so I'm like, oh, I I could put that together and this. Why am I going to sit in there letting the hot water run all over me, right? And so I'm just obsessed with it, right? Like even if I totally, utterly failed and this company burned to the ground, I would start another one and I would do it again until I'm number one. I love it. Like I am just – that is – I mean – you know, I, I sometimes wish I had this passion for a bigger market, but this is my market and I'm going to be the best in it. Like just period. Right. And I just, I've just embraced that. And that's what keeps me going even
0: after two years of failure. Like I can't imagine you at TI right now, just like not following your passion right now, just kind of not pursuing am, what you want. I babe.
1: am almost hundred percent confident that I would be a very miserable person if I had stayed at TI. Like I did not got out on my own. Right. Like I really, I really enjoyed being an entrepreneur. It's really terrifying. It's really scary at times, right? Man, I remember in the worst parts of 16, I was for like two weeks, I was thinking like, oh my God, why did I do this? This is ridiculous. I should have just taken the nine to five to Halliburton. (laughs) You know, like this is, you know, but then, you know, I got over it and I started taking steps forward again. I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is for me. This is, this is what I like. Right. So, uh, you know, I will probably be an entrepreneur for the rest of my life unless I just get really
0: tired or something. (laughs) So I asked you this before, but kind of where do you focus it? So you you get at work, you're thinking about MDD and this, where do you focus your, I guess your energy and time, I guess when you're not uh, at the office or when you're not like what, what is your other passions, I guess?
1: Um, my family is a big passion for me. Like, my business my business takes so much from me that, like, there's very little less left for hobbies, right? So I really try to put the rest of the energy into my family, right. hanging out with my sons. And uh, with them, I have two sons. Uh, Gavin's five now, and Oliver's about one and a half. Okay. And they're fantastic kids. They're both terrifyingly smart. Um you know, Gavin, you have, like, a very logical conversation with him. It's like, oh, my, how did he deduce that? I'm, I'm just – he's going to kick our butt when he's 10. Like, he's yeah, five. <laughs> how do you figure that out? Yeah. And um, so I, I love building with them. We do Legos. We do Duplos. Uh, last weekend we built some um, uh, Lincoln Logs for the backyard out of 2 by 4s are about two feet long, and uh, you could stack them together with notches in the yeah. side. And he had a fun time building, like, a house for his little brother. And, you know, I just – you know, I, I was just watching him out there, and we bought some 2 by 4s and some fence planks for – the uh, the to fix part of the fence and they were in a in a, and then like a stack in the in the driveway and he found him and he starts building stuff out of him I'm like okay well he's having that much from a two by four why am I spending money to go in the Disney World <laughs> you
0: know? yeah yeah
1: so, but no my my family is a huge passion um, I play guitar right so I, I like when I can I like to play guitar and teach myself songs or play with the guys in the band there's a few videos of me on YouTube playing guitar somewhere let's right? talk about this yeah. let's
0: talk about this what type of we we chatted about this before yeah. the listeners to know. Yeah. so you were in a couple bands yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get into that a little bit. Uh,
1: you know, I I wore you the, wanted to you wanted to be a rock star? I yeah. I, I wore the Jinko jeans, and it, it all, you know, mostly all black and the big jeans back in, in high school, right? You know, oh my god,
0: I remember those. Yes, yes, okay. yeah, yeah, the all big bell bottoms, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. And
1: so I was I was in rock bands, you know, System of a Down and and all these you know you know Slipknot and all yeah. these guys. I, I mean,
0: I I. I, I I think the singer of Slipknots to be playing at House of Blues uh coming up. Not House of Blues, yeah, House of Blues some, some time sometime. Well, I up.
1: I kind of miss Fitzgerald's man that was that was cool. We played Oh man, we, they
0: knocked it down. You played there?
1: Oh yeah, we played there several times, right? It was it was really great, like like a big honor to be able to play there when like so many really big acts had played there over the years, right? Yeah. Yeah, we played on the main stage two or three times. It was just like little Wait, little, upstairs? Yeah. Open night open mic nights or whatever, right? I remember
0: right? growing yeah. up in Connecticut. I used to come yeah. down and visit my buddy uh John and we used to go to Fitz Fitz uh I'm not Fitzgerald's. Yeah, Fitz Fitzgerald's, because I'm thinking of Fitzwillies and College Station. Okay, Fitz, yeah, we used to yeah. go to Fitzgerald's, and I remember going to the downstairs and going to the upstairs. Yeah, that was such like the cool place to be. It was like, a cool place, yeah. It was. Yeah. And it was kind of high school, so it was kind of dangerous back then.
1: Well, that, that, I always felt like there was a, like a 30% chance at any given concert that that floor was just going to cave Fall or, in. Cave in. Because you felt it. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: especially yeah. if you're playing rock and roll. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. yeah my, my wife's— Mock pit's going or whatever. My wife's or, stepfather yeah. used to play there all the time, yeah. Yeah.
1: And so uh yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I you know, throughout most of my twenties I, I played in a, a prog rock band with my friends from from high school. And then uh last few years I was playing in kind of a cover band doing pops and yeah. stuff like that. And so that was just a lot of so
0: fun. So you still enjoy playing uh yeah. playing music, okay.
1: Absolutely. That's it's it's, it's a it's a fun hobby. It's not my job. Like I, I actually noted like I wanted to be a rock star, but like what I really noticed about my behavior is um you know, when, when I was playing with the guys, I'd study a lot of music, right? And I'd get better at guitar. But like when I wasn't in a band, I'd kind of forget about it. I wouldn't do it. And like, but when I got to being an entrepreneur in oil and gas, like I would just work on it 24 seven without, without anyone forcing me to. Right. right? And they, they say in life, you're supposed to find something that's like really hard to do, but also really fun for me, for you. Right. And oil and gas in NWD for me was that fun and hard thing that I just felt naturally drawn to. Right. And so I really gave up on the idea of being a rock star when I realized it's like, I'm not, I'm not practicing 24-7. Like, I enjoy it. I have fun. I like, I like playing the concerts. I like getting better, I like hanging out with the guys. But I'm not John Mayer in my room 24-7 doing nothing but bleeding my fingers but on you're the guitar. In, but the right? thing is,
0: though, you enjoy it. And I, I did enjoy
1: it as a hobby, right? Yeah. But then I noticed that, like, when I got into the, you know, working as an entrepreneur, that I enjoyed and worked on 24-7 and just without, without end, right? And so I was like, I should probably do this, right?
0: How would you tell your son or people <laughs> out there to – to find how how would one find their passion? Ooh, big question. That is a big question. It's such a broad bullshit question too. But it's true though. I mean a lot of times people are doing the same thing in and out, in and out, in and out. And it's not fun. To me, life's too short. Do what you love and have fun with it and be passionate about it, right? So how would one find their passion and get on that train, take the entrepreneurial get, step and do it? Silly
1: things, get out of your comfort zone, try new things, right? You know, I've always said that if my, uh, my son struggles with dating, I'm always going to tell him, well, do you know how to dance? if he says no, I'm going to say, okay, that's your problem, right? <laughs> like I, I was not – I did not have much luck with the ladies when I was in high school or, or in my 20s. I think in my late 20s I figured out – I started learning how to country western dance. I went way out of my comfort zone.
0: Oh, bro. Like, like, I took a country western dance in college at A&M. Yes, oh, yeah. I get it.
1: And, and – um, and so, like, I transformed from this, like, metal goth kid in my, like, 15 to 17 years old to somebody who's, like, going out country dancing at Wild West on a Friday night and, like, overnight, total difference in my ability to
0: interact with anybody, right? Yeah, man, so Friday night was VIL night, very important yeah. ladies <laughs> night. I remember Wild West. I remember yeah, Wild West yeah. back in the day. It's gone
1: now, too, right? Jeez. I think it is. Yeah, I think it closed during COVID, right? So, yeah, the, the Houston's not what it used to be, right? It's not. But – um no, I, I, you know, there was a. I can't remember the name of She was. There was an author, and she came up with that thing that she says. Okay, it's if it's fun and it's hard that you're calling right because like there's a lot of fun stuff that you can do that you can be passionate about, like music, which you're not really like likely to make money at, right? right? And there's a lot of hard stuff, like you know, accounting's hard, you know, engineering's hard, but it's not your passion. You can definitely make a career out of it. But like you know, for finding something that you're passionate about, find out what's fun and hard for you, and just go for it, right? Yeah. And so, I mean besides just experimenting, trying out new things and just following your interest when you can. And I I know not everybody's privileged to be able to do do that, but like, you know, definitely, you know, I actually heard some podcasts recently that oh, following your passions, bullshit advice. And I was like, I entirely disagree. Yeah, (laughs) It's worked pretty well. Yeah. No,
0: (laughs) I, 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 that's the thing too. I mean, especially coming after this whole, you know, COVID thing people did, you know, losing jobs and, you know, all this stuff, life being short. That's the thing. It's like, I, I fully strive to tell people to, to, not, not just, you know, just find something you enjoy and just start doing it. You know, like we didn't, I'm not saying do it for your work, but start, and you never know where that can go. You know,
1: I, I think there's enough opportunity, especially here in the States that, you know, a lot of people can really follow a good passion, right. And really enjoy it and feel very fulfilled by it.
0: What is a, and this is kind of a, what's a, what's a kind of a misconception about our industry that you, that kind of uh, that you would like to uh, could address or want to address or uh, want to talk about? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Besides us being all bad and evil. Um, To me... I'm sorry. Please, go ahead. I'll I'll fill the silence right now. I'll fill the silence right now. To me, it's, uh, it's the... the the, the the general logic that the oil field is not a techno it doesn't have, it's not really technology driven data all that stuff. I, I was
1: going to go the same way. Right, we'll do it. Like, like, you talk like, about. I mean, we are we are everyone's fighting so hard right now, right? I mean, like I mentioned, the the NABD tools are totally transformed by software. That's that's something that has not been true in the past, right? Um, you know, there's tons of people out there like the, the mobilized guys and the, the Corva guys are doing a good job yeah. with the
0: drilling data and everything. And like, everyone... and you didn't see this shit s- yeah. that, that long ago. I mean, it's kind of taken forefront now.
1: Like, you know, what's shocking to me is, you know, and maybe I'm being a bit of an elitist here, but like. Like, if I look at everything that we've talked about doing in the in the industry and, and everything that we've still yet to done and have done, like, we haven't even begun to automate things. Yeah. Just haven't even begun, right? And so, you know, uh, the thought of how much oil we could produce when we have, like, a truly automated system, you know, factory drilling everything we, we want to do, like, it's going to be shocking. Like, one of the things that's really impro- impressed me is, like... You know, the amount of oil we can produce with less and less rigs every year, like, it's shocking. Like, just the, that, that trend going up, how many million? If you look at, like, per, per rig and per frac crew, proportionally, those act, that activity compared to footage and, and production rates, like, the, this trend is shocking, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not so sure that easy conventional oil in the Middle East is going to be dominant for that long. And when, when we're improving so much over here, it's just absolutely shocking. And right? the big
0: push is technology right now.
1: It's, it's it's I would just call it knowledge, right? Like it's just making better decisions. Like like so much of oil and gas has been voodoo bullshit. Well, I've done this know? for thirty four yeah, years, exactly, right? You didn't tell me for, you had a for, for so long, yeah. right? And so I think now that we actually have data, and like one of the things we're still missing as an industry is s- just stop talking to me about technology until someone ties drilling to production, like. Award your drillers a bonus based on how many freaking oil, you know, barrels of oil come out of the ground.
0: Yeah, not not, a record not, well, not, not how, how fast, fast not it how drills. fast. I mean, we talked, we talked just about tie that. Tie it
1: together. Just stop talking about it and tie it together, right? And so, so, I think the first software platform that does a really good job of analyzing all the drilling and production data and finding a good correlation and giving people real insight to that is where it's really going to be, right? Yeah. And so, uh, I mean. That that to me is it's shocking we don't do that as an industry, right? But I I, I wouldn't say that like, yeah, I I think a huge misconception is that we're not a technology driven you know uh, industry. Like, like if you actually read about Slumberjays history, they used to have R and D centers in Silicon Valley in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Okay, it's crazy. Like like we've always been a very technology forward industry. This technology is really hard. It's shockingly hard, right? I mean it is it is by comparison like so much easier to build a circuit board for a computer than it is for a downhole system. It is like uh, just. You know, a completely—I I like to say about this industry, well, at least with NBD and everything else in drilling—it's like we have all the requirements of space with none of the budget. <laughs> we have to—we have to build a satellite-like thing that goes miles underground. Underground has to work reliably. Has mo- to succeed yeah. in the mission has to be reliable and we have to get it done on a shoestring budget compared to the billions they they dump into a rocket or a satellite at NASA, right? And so that's one of the things that I really enjoy about this sector of the industry is very little red tape, no FDA, you know, we we just get to build shit and try it out, yeah. right? We worked in medical devices for a while with the FDA, that was just miserable. But um, it's just I, I'm not a big red tape guy. I like moving fast yeah. and I hate, you know, I hate dealing kind with of bureaucracy stuff, right? and bullshit a- like that. Absolutely, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so um yeah, it's a, it's just a massive challenge, right? So I mean, we are, we are, you know, there's a lot. We, we, do, we probably hang on to stuff that just works for too long, but that doesn't mean people aren't trying technology. It's just a really difficult market to try technology in. And, and really, it's a difficult space. I mean, yes, a, a rocket, you know, has some shock and vibe. It doesn't have 35 Gs RMS with 250 G shock hits for non stop, you know, 200 hours while it's drilling a run, Non-sot. beating the living F out of it, yeah. right? Like, it's just, it's not, it's not the same thing, right? So, but it's, it's fascinating.
0: Uh, I, th- I think that's an excellent thing to bring up because it is a very we are a very technological focus driven uh of industry you know i mean we don't like talking about it like that but it's true i mean yeah. it's it's kind of it's what's driving us what's driving better wells and and I like that whole tie drilling into the uh the production side of things i think that'd be phenomenal why aren't we doing that like what's going on well what it is i mean i, I don't know I'm not a drilling engineer for those of you that don't know but to me it's it's just it's, it's one of the things like um it, I remember when a, a previous company, we had, there was a project being that we were building, uh, rigs and there was, and their goal, the engineer's goal was to get that thing days out of shipyard, get that thing out of shipyard fast, build it, put it out of shipyard fast as possible. And then they handed over the operations and their job was done. Like, Oh, we got it done record days and all that stuff. But it doesn't mean that the, the rig was operational that it could drill well. I mean, it still had to do all these tests and did all that stuff. And to me, it's just kind of like, what, what's your, what's your motivator? You know what's your motivator? For example, as a drilling engineer, I would imagine a motivator is to drill the you know safest, fastest uh, well record, right? But that doesn't mean it's going to be cleanest well. You know, completions is kind of the same thing. But uh, so you need. And Kate Hyken came on; she had a great, great point. She served. Uh, she served. She, she did roles in drilling completions production, so that you understand kind of what's what's motivating people. What's 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 driving? It'd be great them. to yeah, have. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. So and and that's just communication. That's communicating. That's learning something new. That's constant learning. It's okay. Well, how are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Is this important? Okay. So if I did this, would this help you out? And so you're kind of tying in the whole process together.
1: Some of the best drilling engineers I've, I've worked with, we we have these really fantastic multi-hour conversations about technology and like, would this help or not? Right. Like, it drives me nuts when like you know we, we just want to know whether or not you have a tool that performs. Or not. I've actually had sat down and had technology brain future. Five years off technology, brainstorming, tech, you know, conversations with, with drilling engineers, and it's just really fantastically yeah. fun, right? So we, we are thinking about technology all the time in this industry, right? It's funny because, like, I don't want to be, you know, it's going to make me sound a little bit arrogant, right? But, um, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, we're going to come into oil and gas, and we're from cell phones, or we're from Silicon Valley, and we're going to flip this thing on its head because you guys don't know what you're doing, and you're all backwards. And it's like... It's like, dude, we've been trying that for years, man. Best of luck, buddy. Come on in. <laughs> we've been you know? trying that for years. Oh, water's warm. Come on, yeah. bro. <laughs> you know, You know, I I, I, yeah, I won't go into that story, but I don't want to poke fun, but you right. get my meaning. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not,
0: I know people come in and think it's all easy. Like, well, oh, you, you just don't know what they're doing. No, we, we, we've been doing that. We've been trying. I mean, you
1: know, we, what we do is we send wireless signals from five miles away through the damn dirt, and it's ridiculous, right? Like, I mean— Radio doesn't work. GPS doesn't work. Cell doesn't work. You know, mud pulse and electromagnetic telemetry. Like, find me another physical phenomenon that will send radiation or energy through five miles of rock.
0: That's fascinating to me. It's crazy. It's mind-blowing.
1: You know, it's interesting. Like, the electromagnetic technology actually evolved from the military. Um, you know there is the there are these massive antenna stations that are are you are, are built in like I think they're like in Pennsylvania or something, but it's like a 27 mile long antenna. It's shockingly huge antenna, right? And what they're used for is when our subs are really really deep, they can't receive radio communications. Like you can't yeah. use a satellite or, or an onshore radio uh, to talk to them, right? And so you have to set, you have to some way to tell the sub hey surface so we can communicate with you. And so we built you know, we built these and the Russians built these and there's these 27 long. Mile, mile long antennas that use the Earth as a conductor and you know send like a five hertz radio wave across the planet to tell the sub to surface so we can talk to it through a satellite, and like that's the genesis of like the idea of the electromagnetic technology that we use to send wireless mud pulses because we're using the drill string, which is two or three miles long, as a big antenna, right?
0: Yeah. And so I mean, it's just really cool, like just shockingly cool, fascinating stuff. Yeah. That's real cool stuff. So. Okay, so we're coming up on an hour and uh, 20 minutes right oh, now, geez. which but honestly, I could sit here for another 40 minutes or to an hour to another hour 20 minutes if you want to. So what else what 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 coming on the show, you know, coming on the show. I know we've been kind of going back and forth and kind of planning. What 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 do you want to discuss uh, kind of what do you want to plug right now about uh, Erdos Miller? Plug. Oh man, we cr- you know what? Let's do a plug. Let's do a plug. <laughs> I mean, we we've, we've heard about you, your, your 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 theories, your books, your what you do, how you drive your team. Talk give a little plug on Erdos Miller real quick. Man, put me in the
1: hot seat. Elevator pitch, right? Complete elevator pitch. We really focus on being true partners with our customers, right? Like, I don't, you know, it's not just about the tech we provide. We really want to work with people who feel the same way we do, right? So I told you that the core values kind of permeate permeate our company. Mm -hmm. They also permeate who we work with. We decide who we work with based on those core values. And, you know, we have a big will to win, right? Which is a great phrase that we borrowed from racing. And if we don't, if we meet a client who doesn't have that same will to win and grow and be really aggressive, it's like not going to be a good fit for us, right? Yeah. And so we really focus on providing fantastic drilling technology to to partners who believe in, in, in work and fight the same way we do, right? And so, yes, it's about what we have today and what's working and what's commercial and what's not, right? But it's also about tomorrow, right? And it's about going out and getting that next job and yeah. what do we need to get the next 10 after that and whatever yeah, else, yeah. right? And so – you know, we just really like – like one of the things we do, which is just crazy to even think about, we have quarterly leadership meetings between our leadership team and our clients' leadership teams. Like it is it is some of the most insightful meetings we've ever had. Is
0: because that something that y'all brought about that y'all, absolutely. y'all needed to do because you need to talk to the end user to understand what they're actually – what they need, what they yeah, want?
1: That is, that is how tight we get with our clientele, right? Like wow. we really spend that much face time with them, right. right, and understand their business and their needs and everything else like that, right? But I mean, you know, uh, you know, our two big products right now are, are is our MicroPulse directional module and our Eclipse Touch receiver system, right? And those things are just fantastic, right? They're they're very commercial. They're working extremely well. Uh, clients are really enjoying them. We're really pushing the envelope on 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 both things: the measurement side and the decoding thing, right? Okay. And then, you know, what's really on the horizon, which is going to be fantastic. And uh, you know, I mentioned earlier we have kind of a partnership with Black Diamond, yeah. But they're uh, they're a partner with us, and we are building with them uh, the Eclipse NBD system, and that's that's going to be a very radically different approach to NWD. Like, we have really you know, turn the entire thing upside down and kind of like rethought how it, how it should go together and how it should be and, and really built towards that automation, manless, everything we've been talking about, about, about really building a, a true next generation system. Right. And so that's in field testing now, and you're going to see it coming out soon. And it's going to be
0: really fun. Well, no, that, I mean, that sounds fascinating, but how, how would y'all go about, I guess, uh, introducing that to a, to a customer or, cause if, if, if it's new and it's cutting edge, people don't like that. They like knowing Historically, what works? Oh, we've done this, we've done this, we've done that. So, how are you? Uh, how are you? Uh, what's the plan to, I guess, uh, uh, address this or bring it up or, or I guess, I don't use the word sell it because it's not really selling. If it's if it's good product, people want it. So, I guess, how do you, how are you communicating this and uh, getting people to reframe? I guess we, the paradigm of what they used to think. We don't go
1: in and pitch the product though. Like we, you know, we've looked for people who have similar thoughts to ours, right? And so when we when we talk to like a, a, a you know an operating company, a directional drilling company. Yeah. Look, I mean the you know, it's not like Erdos Miller operates in some vacuum and we have all these brilliant ideas that nobody else does, right? right. You know, everybody else is thinking the systems need to go more manless, right? We all have similar, similar feelings about where things should go, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, when we meet someone who feels the same way we do or thinks the same way we do, you know, pitching the product is 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 natural because it's like, okay, that's what I want, right? And not only that, like the product doesn't come about first and then we pitch it to the clients like like the the ideas for the product started by having conversations with, with, the, I, clients. with the clients in these first place in the first place, right? And so it's not like we have to start from scratch. Oh, here's this brilliant thing that I've been inventing for three years in total secrecy in my garage, and here you go. Do you like it? Like that? That is not how the conversation goes at all, right? Yeah,
0: dude, I would have liked it eighteen months ago. Yeah, yeah exactly,
1: right. So. Um, And so it it ends up being a pretty natural conversation, right? But like even with the operators, we look for operators who are technology forward, who are, you know, have a a real big will to win and want to change things and are willing to take a big risk and try the next step, right?
0: It's so fun too working with like-minded people like that who have that strive, who have that strive to improve something like that. I just did a uh, one with a uh, Alex Goodwin who it hasn't, it's not released yet released by now but he's over at Ver- Vertice uh, oil tools. And he said the same thing, you know, he, he they've, they've been in, uh, I guess, I don't know, design, whatever for two years. And, you know I said, well, you release that. You know, release that. It's going to be outdated. He said, no, the number one thing that we do, we sit in front of the customers first. That's the most important thing, to find out what they're looking for. Let's build this together. You know, let's find out what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And if it's outdated, if it's, if it's something that doesn't work, it's, so it's kind of similar to what y'all do. Y'all are having these serious conversations, these, these constructive conversations about kind of what, what are they looking for, what works, and what, what do they want to see. Yep. And then y'all just kind of take that and run with it and still, and still include them in the process.
1: Yep, Absolutely. And, and, and st- often that's a pretty hard task because like translating what they're saying to you and how they're feeling and like what they're thinking about the market in the future and the technical requirements is like 99% of the time pretty tough, Okay, <laughs> really a tough task and takes some practice to get used to. But I, I, I have been lucky enough to sit with one operator who said, well, Ken, if we could do this, that would be worth this much money to me. So can you make a product that is, you know, that will do that and come in under this? I'm like, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> So
0: only been blessed with that one time. <laughs> That'd be something else. Yeah. Um, man, I, I, first off, I want to uh, thank you for coming in and spending time and, uh, and, and, and talking. Do you, you want to bring anything, up, anything else up? Anything.
1: <laughs> I, I tell you what, man, this, is, this has been exhausting. So this has been really good. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up to a blank wall, so I appreciate it.
0: I'm spent. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, so, okay, what's your favorite sci-fi movie? And you, what, what style do you like?
1: what's my favorite sci-fi movie and what style do i like
0: well yeah so for me i like dystopian future style so give me a, give sci-fi me a dystopian future. what is it <laughs> I mean, Blade Runner twenty forty nine was pretty good. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen that one. Equilibrium, yet. Equilibrium is pretty did, good. I did like that movie. Right? Really good. Yeah, I kind of like yeah. that whole like nineteen eighty four like dystopian uh, Look, future type.
1: I, I'm easy. I'm a big Star Trek nerd. Okay. Sorry. Okay. You know Kirk, Spock. You know all those guys. You know Picard. I, I'm a big Star Trek nerd. Did you yeah.
0: grow up watching that? Absolutely. Okay.
1: Yeah, I remember going to see Star Trek six with my dad and when I was like eight years old in the theater. Like I, I love Star Trek. Right. They
0: were using those, uh, those little it, cell phones. They're like no. No way that's going to happen. Yeah, I, here we are doing that.
1: I'm pretty much any sci-fi. I'm looking forward to the new Dune, like that they're coming out. That's going to be like, unbelievable. Yeah, I actually like the old Dune, even though most people hate it. I think yeah. it's actually pretty good. Okay, I mean, it's 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 a weird movie, but. Um... You know, it's, I had a funny joke the other day, because I, I love Star Wars, too. I, I'm a huge Star yeah. Wars fan. I mean, and, it, and it's funny, because like Star Wars truly is, it, it is more of an opera than sci-fi. Yeah. Right? It's just cool characters doing cool things. Yeah, That's cool shit, yeah. It just happens to be with spaceship, yeah. right? But it was, I heard a funny joke the other day that was like, okay, we can, we can all debate all day long whether or not Star Wars or Star Trek is the number one. We can all agree Stargate is a solid third. Stargate. Oh, the Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the TV show they
0: did, Star Trek, oh. like SG-1 for years. Or, I'm talking about Kurt yeah. Russell back in the day.
1: Uh, You know, what I've really been feeling a need for, and maybe I'm slowly turning into my father, is I want more new Westerns. Like that's that they that's, haven't done a... it. I really appreciated the True Grit remake they did. That yeah. was that was a fantastic yes. movie. There's a really good movie, uh, series on Netflix called Godless, which is about some you know so a, a, ga- uh, a breakaway guy from a gang that, that they fight and I think I saw that. It's really good. They have the, they have the town that's all full of women because all the men died in the coal yeah. mine accident. Yeah. it's really fantastically good, right? So, and I, what
0: was that one movie with? Uh, I love
1: Django Unchained.
0: Yes, brutal movie, but really good. And that's obviously. Quentin Tarantino was well, yeah. I, I saw a funny thing that, about him the other day. It was like uh,
1: you know, someone was saying you know, Quentin, do your do your movies have to be so violent? And and he says, look, man, you don't you don't go to the, the Rolling Stones concert and ask Mitch and Keith to turn it the f down, <laughs> do you? Do you? No, so yes, my movies are going to be hyper violent, right? If
0: you don't like it, don't watch it. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah if you don't like it, don't watch it. That's a good call. They need to make another western. I mean, more but, more good Western. Yeah, like,
1: like I think the industry, we kind of bur- the movie kind of industry kind of burned itself out in the '50s, '60s, and '70s with westerns, and it's kind of been all superhero movies and sci-fi since then. But like I'm I'm feeling the need for more good westerns. You Let's know, do
0: Tombstone 2. Yeah, Let's do that. <laughs> or just
1: just new stuff. Bringing it back.
0: Bringing it back. Three ten to Yuma. That was a good we'll movie. A, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we'll do a six ten to Yuma. Yeah, the, the one that the one. That that he missed so yeah. anyway everyone this is uh this is you can find uh around uh, the rotary on uh you know obviously you're listening right now but you can find us on instagram and youtube and again leave a leave a review leave a comment we appreciate everyone tuning in again everyone this is ken miller the ceo and co-founder partner uh entrepreneur um fascinating uh a uh, uh, gentleman Thank you for joining us, and thank you thank for taking you. your time. And uh, again, well, I really appreciate it. And again, I can be talking to you for a long time. But again, it is Friday <laughs> afternoon. We can do it again sometime. We'll do it again sometime, definitely. And uh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. I Appreciate it. And uh, you can find uh, Ken through uh, you can find him on, uh, on on LinkedIn. Again, it's Kenneth Miller, and uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, be sure to put uh, you know the Erdos Miller website and all thank that you. stuff so, so they can check it out. And also, Small World. I guess it's uh, y'all's uh, podcast is sponsored by uh, Gibson Reports too. Yes, Little yeah. David Gibson. Big huh? fan
1: of David. David and I, David I, and I have David. seen eye to eye in a, for a long time, right? I
0: can see that because he has that entrepreneurial mindset, too, just like you. He's, he's absolutely crazy. He's a crazy person. I love that guy. He's great. He's unbelievable. So I would, see, I would, have, I would assume that sitting in a room with y'all, so that's what we should do. We should get you and him in the room together and just have, just have a conversation. I think that would be fascinating. Well, you should throw
1: somebody else in there that we'll actually argue with, because David and I will agree with a lot of stuff.
0: Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll go over list names after this then. Again, everyone, thank you for listening Around the Rotary again. This is uh, Ken Miller uh, with uh, Erdos Miller. Check him out. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.